Okay, you ready to start this show? Uh, your host of the evening is a really funny dude. Um, I forgot his last name, but I've seen him before, and he's really funny. Uh, give it up for Mike. Coming to you live on tape from the lucky 13th floor of a commercial high-rise in beautiful Beverly Hills adjacent California. From the studios of Sirius XM West, boasting an obstructed view of the world-famous Hollywood sign, this is The Tully Show. I am your host, Mike Tully. My guest today needs no introduction, a breakout star of Jackass who has successfully reinvented himself as a stand-up comic, a legendary fuck-up who has turned himself into a responsible adult. Hello and welcome, Steve O. Yeah, dude. Thank you for emerging out of the Hollywood Hills on a bicycle. Yeah, you bet, man. I I, uh, I dig it, dude. I'm trying to be healthy. Yeah, I get that off you. I get that <laughs> off you. Isn't it kind of neat that when you do that, you just have like, I feel like you have such a different perspective on the day already than I do. Like I drove here in a car and I got out of like the AC and then I got in the elevator, whereas you've been like, Sweating. Smelling, <laughs> smelling the fumes and avoiding people on uh, scooters who probably shouldn't be riding scooters. Right. I, I bike like a real asshole, too. I mean, I don't like stopping. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're that I'm, guy? I'm always Are you the trying guy? to cross at, at mm-hmm. bad times. Yeah, I know. You're the guy who runs the stop sign and gets angry at people who run stop signs. Ah, uh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, mean, I don't really get angry. I just, I just, well, sometimes I do, but. There's a certain kind of biker I find who gets very, very peeved when drivers don't, like car drivers don't observe the letter of the law. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm actually pretty mellow because it's always me who's wrong. Is it? Yes. I'm, I'm rarely mad. Um, I, uh, you were on the Jason Ellis show recently, and mm-hmm. I rarely like double dip with guests. But at one point when you were talking to us there, the conversation kind of went one way, and then it dipped back in the other direction. And I sure. was like, I was, I was actually very interested in the road less travel. Okay, cool, man. Because um, I'm really like, I'm. It's been interesting for me to watch your like journey these last few years, and I don't know you well enough to say that like I'm proud of you, but I kind of feel that way, and I want to know. Just sort of what's going on in your head, because I feel like you've always had a really interesting mind, like you're a thinking person. And I doubt that I agree with a lot of the things that you uh, get into psychologically, spiritually, new agey and stuff like that. But I'm really fascinated to hear the stuff that Mm -hmm. you're reading about and thinking about. All right. Okay. So there's like there's two anecdotes that I always think of when I think of you. One is I saw you one time at the Hard Rock and I remember you went and did one lap around the circle of the hard rock, and then you came back and you're like, oh, man, only one person asked me to take a picture. Okay. <laughs> and I thought that it was kind of cool that I think people who are famous, for the most part, wanted to be famous, like being famous, but they have to kind of brush it off. And I found it kind of refreshing that you were just like straight up, like, yeah, I I enjoy being recognized. Okay. Um like, I, I don't. I don't doubt it's true, and and um, I, all I ever wanted was attention, so it, it makes sense. So yeah, I wanted to ask you about that. What was your attitude towards fame like in the very beginning? Um, <clears throat> it uh, happened quickly. I mean, I remember um, it was the second. The, the, I was a pretty quiet character on the first episode of jackass but the second episode was the one where i swallowed a goldfish and regurgitated it into a fishbowl and um that just it's crazy how overnight the the effect took you know um and i was living in florida uh at my sister's house i just wanted to abuse fame every possible way I could. I mean, the people recognizing me and, and actually I didn't live in my sister's house. She had kicked me out. So I was homeless. Why'd you kick you out? <laughs> uh, just for being a nightmare. And, yeah. um, I, I was, I was a drug addict and right. So between I, I you wouldn't... and Jesse camp, there were like two homeless people starring on MTV <laughs> in those days. Right. Yeah. So that so yeah, it wasn't unusual for someone to take a picture Ask me to take a picture with me, and then I'd be sleeping on their sofa that night. Uh, but but generally, it was just a, a I was trying to just 
hump chicks. You know, that was my thing. I was uh, really trying to have sex as much as possible. That uh, seems like the only really good thing about fame. Well, yeah, and 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 taking advantage of fame the way the that I was or I was trying to anyway. Um, I quickly saw that um, that friends, family, like women, um, that uh, I, I could recognize that that my behavior wasn't you know really cool, <laughs> you know. Like I could see the flaws in it. I was like, oh man, I got to get out of here. You mean just for womanizing? <laughs> for womanizing, yeah. And uh, it, it, like, it, there's it's it's impossible, I think, for fame to not change you somehow, you right? Know? And so, well, real quick though, what's so bad about womanizing? If you just meet some random chick and she's like, oh my god, you're that guy. He ate the goldfish. Let's do it. What's right. the problem? Um. Just the uh, the manipulating and you know the deceit. There, there's there's manipulating deceit and and to an extent. Uh, like if you keep j- juggling juggling oh, okay, yeah, yeah. chicks. Oh, and, if you're going to be in relationships with these women or something right, like a the, relationship. You know, there, there's yeah. there's something you know. There, there's uh, to manipulate chicks. You deceit them or deceive them. Sorry and and. Uh, yeah, make them think that there's more going on than than is, and oh yeah, it's just bad. shitty. You know, yeah, it's you're not supposed to do that. Shitty shit, and uh, and and really, like you can't become famous without this sort of representing a new version of you. You know, right. a new version of you that can uh, that that has the ability to do. You know, so I, I don't know. I'd like to. To a degree, like just being a dick, you know, like taking advantage of it, blowing people off, like you know, I, I can do whatever I want. And um, I guess looking back on me, I was I was distinctly aware that that these changes were happening, and that I was, you know, I was just okay with it. But I, I wanted to be careful not to uh, really um, harm or mistreat. The people that were used to me over there in Florida, and so I just got—I was like, okay, I'm going to be the, this new guy in California. I'm going to get out there. That kind of makes sense. Yeah, you keep it real. I with needed your to change. I needed to change my whole environment so that I could just be this. This, you know, people would know me as this. Yeah. And, See, because I knew you, and and frankly, all the jackass guys, I would assume that you guys were all assholes because there was the punk rock element of what you were doing uh-huh. and because you were famous and because it just sort of seemed like that would come with the package. <clears throat> I have known you guys and you, I, I couldn't, I had nothing to offer you. I have actually known you and all of the jackass guys to be, to have kept it fairly real. Yeah. I, um, in, in some regards, yeah. And I think that, I think that, um, you uh you know there's a learning curve that that comes with with a, a degree of fame and uh i think that the most of us managed it reasonably quickly um considering how fast it happened and considering the fact you guys were really fucked up like right. almost to a man right uh-huh was there anybody who wasn't crazy fucked up um i don't think so right cuz that'll bring everybody... out the worst in you yeah what what's to a man uh, I assume that that means thank you for calling me. I'm using a phrase I don't totally understand. I think that means every single one of you to every uh, okay. sing- to every single man. All right, yeah, because that, that, that's in some literature I'm familiar with. And <laughs> yeah, I, never under- I think that's where I got it from. Too. Never understood it, but uh, yeah. In any case, um, so so and you, were, and you guys were encouraged to be fuck ups too. Like you, you guys uh-huh. were rewarded for you know if uh, if 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 Ellen DeGeneres goes around you know slapping waiters. That's not consistent with the brand, right? It's kind of okay for you guys to s- smear feces on someone's face, um, right? But but only each other's, right? We we were always pretty careful to uh, <laughs> avoid you know innocent bystanders, like uh, and and harming them. So then, what do you think about like? Do you did you did you come out of the other side of? You knew that fame was making you not your best self as it was happening. Yeah. What makes you? come out of that is it I mean how much of that is sobriety and how much that happened beforehand um oh dude the uh the the drugs and alcohol ultimately made it way worse and worse I think because initially it's like wow I'm used to one thing and and uh and here's this this other reality where um you know people will 
you know, bend rules for me. They'll go out of their way to help me. They'll they'll just give me stuff. You know, like I have money. Like you know, people like adore me. It's such a a shock to the system. And um, you know, you like you can't help but be a, a you know a kid in a candy store in in that situation. I think that like that it's all so uh, so overwhelming, so intense, so fun, so so crazy. And then as you get used to that, um. It, you know, it's, it becomes it becomes normal, and then there, like inevitably, I think for you know pretty much most people in that situation, it, it, there's there comes a time when the show that you were on is no longer. You know, like now, now like the spotlight is is starting to dim a little bit. You know, and then I think that that's where I went really crazy. You know, it was sort of in, in conjunction with the drugs and alcohol. But I think it's that point that can bring about like the worst of it because yeah, now the cycle. because because now like the, the there's there's the the entitlement and there's coupled with the fear of of it all going away. It kind of sounds like Boogie Nights, which I guess is the story of every rise and fall. Sure. But yeah. but uh, this sounds like the part where you're <coughs> starting to have trouble getting it up, and you don't want to tell people. I remember reading a story about you. You got had some legal trouble in Hawaii. Mm, I don't remember legal trouble in Hawaii. Something with maybe stapling your nut sack. Oh, no, no. That was Louisiana. Oh, okay. All right. And that was in 2002. That was uh, like when... We had finished filming the first Jackass movie, but it had not come out yet. Oh, okay. So this is so yeah. That you're, was, you're still on the on the ascent at that. Oh, point. I was totally on the ascent. Yeah, <laughs> but um. So so the, the you know the it's been said that that there's just nothing healthy about fame. You know, it's and it's it's weird because here you know you, you said at the top of the show that you know I've reinvented myself as a stand-up comedian and I've I've clearly continued to do all of the uh, you know the the physical sort of crazy stuff as well and just kind of merged it all and back to together into I do it all and and not separately anymore, mm-hmm. but um, given that now we're eight years away from the last Jackass movie, there's like sort of and I still have a like I'm still active and I have a profile and and uh, you know I'm thankfully still able to you know have have a career so I'm not finished with but I'm not in the situation that I was once in and so there's just nothing consistent about my identity as Stevo you know like I could have like the the feeling of like oh it's been so long since the, you know like since Jackass and I'm just kind of you know like there's no like one guy can be like, man, I haven't seen you on anything in, in forever, and, and then someone else can be like, oh my god, I can't believe it's you. You're my favorite, oh, and right. and so like, there's just no consistency and there's no reality to all of that, and and I think that that for me that uh, you know, I'm really grateful that the drugs and alcohol just defeated me as as effectively as they did because that forced me, um, you know, into. Uh, a way of life that really demands separation from me and this Stevo character, and so now I, I can kind of really, with gratitude, say that I live a double life, you know, and that that I can that I, that I really draw separation between the guy who rode the bicycle here. Yeah, and the asshole who might staple his ballsack to his leg tonight, <laughs> you know. And how do you feel about that? That character now, is it fun for you to go live in that? I know comics who have personas that they definitely feel kind of like prisoners of. Sure. And even, I mean, they have they have home lives and shit like that, but even the demands of, oh man, you know, you know, this guy like elbowing his friend, wait till this guy gets on stage, you're not going to fucking believe this. Just even the pressure of delivering that professionally. Right. Um, you like it? Yeah, I, I'm fine with it. You know, I, I'm totally fine with it. And and uh, m- maybe it's not correct to say that these are two totally separate, you know, things. I think, you know, um, it's it's not like, you know, I have to turn it on and become a character who I'm not when I'm doing all the stuff. It's just I think it's when when I'm working. You know, there's things about things about I do for work that I just don't do 
in my personal life. And in, in my personal life, the same. I'd love it if I could say that I was able to just turn off the the professionalism in my personal life and not be consumed with uh, external validation from social media and all that. <clears throat> you know, I'm just as trapped in all that as uh, as the average person. Uh, but it's the it's the the progress and the effort to to you know have have a life separate from being Steve-O and to uh yeah because it's just like really scary man and i think that like to turn it to the to the spiritual talk um with or without drugs and alcohol i think the human experience is one terrifying terrifying ordeal because like regardless of uh of who you are there's the fact of there's so much about it that's scary you know just that with with age, the deterioration of of your body, the the decline of your earnings potential, you know, like the like the, the just the, the, your appearance, you know, you're you're no longer like you know young people start to look at you and with disdain, you know, and just all it's so scary, like the 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 idea that you know every instinct that we have cries out for survival, yet our only guarantee is that we won't survive. So it's just this inherent catch-22 and and the one thing we fear the most is death and as the closer we get to it it seems the more we fear it and the only way to really be free of that is uh is to is is in in some kind of a spiritual mentality you know do you think that you were a little preoccupied with death from the start i seem to recall let me know if i'm putting words in your mouth that you weren't concerned about jeopardizing your health and maybe even your existence if you got really good video because the video would live forever. Right. That's something I've heard you say a <clears throat> number of times, that, right? That, I mean, it's it's paraphrasing, but yeah, I, I expected that I would fail, die young as a failure. But when did you get that idea in your head? Was that like way before Jackass? Oh, yeah, for sure. I was 26 when Jackass came out. Yeah, I mean, when when I filmed it even. Um, I was 26 and um, I was 19 when I dropped out of college. And uh, at the point when I had dropped out of college, I had attempted having enough jobs that I knew that like I could I could not keep a job. Is that real? Because I always wonder about it's so it's such a trope of celebrities like, oh, it's a good thing I'm doing this because otherwise I'd be dead. I couldn't like. You got. I used, get, I, used get, I used to see Tom York from Radiohead wandering around. I, I went to school in the, in the town where he lives, and he's just like this fucking roving homeless man with a Bentley. And you'd see him in a sandwich shop, and he has this his left arm just like he like smears newspapers sections everywhere, like a total homeless guy while he's eating a sandwich. And his left arm just sort of independently, the hand like floats up in the air. And I'm like, you're so full of shit, Tom York. You're an intelligent guy. Like if Radiohead had not panned out, you could have worked for the Geek Squad. Uh-huh. It's such okay. a spoiled thing to say that you couldn't. Have. All right, and I, I, I can break that down and and I think uh, answer it truthfully. Um, the the fact is that I had, for all of my efforts at having a normal job, I got fired. You know, like pizza delivery guy got fired on day one. <laughs> you know, like I mean, I had jobs where I had every increment of days. I had a job for one day, I had another job for two days, another job for three days. What's like, the dumbest thing you got fired for? Um, the dumbest thing I got fired for, well, I mean, the pizza delivery, I just, the the fucking, the destination for this pizza was like around the corner and 45 minutes later, (laughs) I had still not delivered the pizza. And then once I got there, I sold the guy a bag of weed. Yeah. (laughs) Or, I mean, not that I, I don't think that I, that, that the weed got me in trouble, but in any case, like, um... The reason I was dropping out of college, I could not bring myself to go to class. You know, I, I just had no fucking discipline. And my feeling, my core belief at the time when when I was on my way out of college was that I just lacked the survival skills to make it in the real world. That it was just, it was just an up, uphill battle, you know, that I just could not maintain you know like whether it was reading a fucking book for homework for whether it was showing up in class whether it was you know performing whatever you know tasks a job required i just felt ill-equipped to do it i just couldn't and um, now the reality is that i was homeless for three years or after leaving college um 
And and by homeless, I mean I was sort of a charismatic couch surfer. You know, I, I that did, seems I, like the role teenage you was born to play. Yeah, a charismatic couch surfer, and uh, you know, a, a fun going. You know, that was the, the life of the keg party. Every I can time. only imagine. Yeah, yeah it was. And I did I did homeless pretty well, but it 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 it, it wore me down. You know, and at, and at a point, I I like I had enough pride that I didn't ask for my parents to to pay for me to be doing nothing they approve of. I gather you came from a stable enough home, right? I, yeah, I, I was a very privileged kid. I was my dad was a corporate executive, and I grew up all over the world. And dad was, you know, as I grew up, the house got bigger and bigger, and and uh, I was actually quite embarrassed of of the size of the house. And and when when sometimes if I if I overslept and I wasn't in time to skateboard or bicycle to school. Uh, in high school, I'd be forced to catch a ride with dad and his chauffeur. Oh. And, and I'd sit shotgun and hug the chauffeur. <laughs> like when I got dropped off. Now I went to high school in, in <laughs> you London. Did not. I did. That happened before, for sure. Um, the, was he wearing like the like the Arthur outfit? No, nah, no, nah, it wasn't quite like that. It wasn't quite like that. It was, he was driving a regular Mercedes and it was in London. But but that's all besides the point. Um. I mean, it's not beside the point. I think that it's fair to say that uh, that a lot of you know kids in that sort of situation would just like have uh, you know just sort of dad send him money and and whatever and oh god yeah and uh, and and, I, and I'm I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that. I had enough pride to to just struggle on my own. You were the better kind of willfully homeless kid. Right, and and uh, dad didn't even know where I was. Neither did mom. Like uh, I was having the government test drugs on me for money, and I was just like, just up to all this crazy fucking hijinks. Plas- plasma were, and what have you? No, well, no, I was in medical studies testing drugs for pigs and cows because the more <laughs> dangerous, the more money you get. Cool. Uh, well, we and, can't afford we can't afford to take any risks with those pigs, Steve. <laughs> right. Well, the, the idea was for uh, for consumer meat. To to be more lean, and so that's what the drug would make the the cattle have less fat. And uh, if if they, if it was to go as planned, then when people ate the meat, they would get a trace of the drug. So now they have to see what it does to you ultimately. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so sign me whatever. That's a whole other other thing. But at one time, I did. I was struggling, and uh, and I did ask dad you know it said you know, if you guys could get me a car that would help you know like so so like everything i'm saying about having pride and you know went away and and, and dad did did get me a used car no but i get it there was a number of crossroads I, where you did that you did take the hard road and eventually right. that, it doesn't go out the window because you fold sure. your i said uh i said being homeless is going great but if i had a car it'd be a lot easier <laughs> you know something like that and uh, within six months, I got a, a DUI, and uh, within one month of getting my license back, I got a second DUI. At this point, the the car is not registered. I'm living out of it. I've got two DUIs. I'm still driving. Like uh, it's just a bad situation. And um, I don't know anything about your family. I'm going to assume there was a good son as well. No, it's a good daughter. Okay. Yeah. All right. Or, or, or older. I have an older sister, but yeah, that's about the cookie cutter dynamic. <laughs> yeah. That's the standard. Yeah. yeah. Good, good call. That's uh, <laughs> that's uh, alcoholism. Uh, that's the cookie cutter. But um, so now uh, I'm living out of this car. I'm just fucking despondent. <clears throat> Shit sucks. And 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 I honestly had a. a, a Desire to to use the car to kill myself with carbon monoxide gas, and couldn't afford to fill the tank. Now, if I could have afforded to fill the tank, uh, would I have done it? I doubt it. You know, like I I think that that I'm far too. Is it narcissistic yeah, or whatever? That's the, yeah, that's what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. But you, yeah, you dipped your toe in the water of suicide. Uh, suicidal yeah, ideation right. has has. Uh, has been been a thing, you know, and it's just time fucking wasted. Every every time I've, I've my mind has gone there, and uh, you know I can say like as well as a twelve step program, um, you know I t- I take this Zoloft. I take the lowest uh, effective dose of Zoloft. I think and, I dabbled in Zoloft. 
that magically makes me not have like I have to waste time thinking about ways to kill myself, which I know are bullshit and I'll never do it because I'm always every fantasy about suicide. I'm always so concerned with like what will happen after. Right, like, right, like, right. You like, want to be what, around to see the show. In what circumstances the body will be found or if it's going to be, you know, like you just can't be that fucking concerned with what's going to happen after you die and be serious about trying to die. I think that that's... Well, right, also because you have people who love you and people that you're seriously committed right. to and, and the fact that you're thinking less about how that's going to affect them than how is this going to look on CNN. Right. Uh-huh. It's uh, it's true, but, but that's, that's still... Um, we're... we're, we're I'm gonna get get back uh, get back on track. Sure. At this time, um, like I, I really did feel that uh, that that I lacked the the skills to survive in the world. I did expect that I would fail at life, and I and I imagined that an early death was would be part of the program. And there was a distinct sense that with my video camera and documenting like the craziest stuff that I could, that I was effectively kind of you know, loading my message into the bottle so that perhaps I could be discovered after I died and be, you know, somehow the Van Gogh of dipshits, you know, like, like some, it was like my little scrawling of drawings on the cave wall. That's you know? like the dreamer's lottery. Right. Because it does happen just often enough. And the kind of the beautiful thing about that is you would never know. You know, like there's a guy, you ever hear this guy, Henry Darger? Yeah. He was a janitor, and I think he was um, a little bit mentally challenged, and he lived in uh, Chicago, and he never talked to anybody. He's like a janitor in schools, and apparently, <coughs> if anybody ever uh, talked to him, they all he would do is talk about the weather. He'd go, how's it going, Henry? he go, oh, you know, uh, it's supposed to rain, and that's all anybody knew. And then the guy died, and I think he was in his 60s, and they went to clean out like his two-room apartment, and the guy wrote like, a 12,000 page fantasy novel and like a 7,000 page autobiography and he has this crazy artwork that huh. goes with it and now he's like considered like I mean he's a crazy person but there's a there's a there's a, a sliver of real art in there right. as well so like yeah I mean that that actually can work <laughs> out <clears throat> and yeah, how I does think, uh, I mean like the uh you know the, this this fear of death which uh I think it's just it's just the human experience. You know, it's sort of like our reality is like, okay, here I am, you know, every instinct, you know, this fight or flight. I like it's just boils down to like fuck, I don't want to die. It's just sort of to be human. That's that's our instinct to survive. And I think that that to wrap our head around the fact that that we're going to die, there I see three like approaches you know number one is is the you know to turn to religion to comfort you know religion we look to religion to say there's going to be a heaven or you know whatever like somehow death is not the end death is not the end it's going to be okay and so so like people really like look to religion for for that like to to be okay with dying then there's procreation where you know I'm going to have children and th- these children are going to be a part of me they're going to keep me on they're, you know my legacy I'm going to live on and and so that's another big one and you know I you know certainly have never uh, subscribed to dogmatic religion and um I definitely don't want to have kids and so like like that's the third thing is the cavemen drawing the picture on the wall because after they die, then the fucking stick figure is going to be on that fucking wall. <laughs> you know, they were here right. like leaving proof, leaving evidence, the message in the bottle. It's and, funny because it does seem like such a transparently empty one. Like there's, you know, you go to New York and, you know, Rockefeller's name, well, Rockefeller Center is on all kinds of shit. And it's like, well, fucking congratulations. Right. I remember um, when I was in, I was attending Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Clown College and, um, they, uh, it was only for one summer. It was more like boot camp than college. And um, it was in Sarasota, Florida. And there was this one apartment building across from the Sarasota Opera House. And it was just a big apartment complex that was rented out and filled with, with clowns. There was 33 clowns. That sounds so annoying. And uh, I don't know how many, but a small group of marine biologists there was just the, the you know, like maybe it was six, I don't know. But there was this marine biologist chick, and we trained 14 hours every day. We put on a show every Saturday night, and the one day we had off was Sunday. Now, I got drunk every single night, you know, but, but Saturday, really going for it. Saturday night in this apartment complex, I'm talking, and, and I'm at this point, I believe I was 23. 
uh, talking to this this girl, this marine biologist girl. Says now I'm like telling her, you don't understand. We're all going to be dead. But for me, I'm going to have all these videos playing. All these, I'm, I'm going to be spreading joy after I'm dead. So therefore, I am going to live forever. And I'll never forget like this. This cause She wasn't like excited or angry or, 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 or she just she said, God, you're pathetic. <laughs> she says, you really think it's all about you. You know, she says, how about if I do what I'm, you know, dedicating myself to every time a fish nibbles off a coral reef that I helped to preserve, then I live forever. Right. And, and that really had an impact on me. I thought like, wow. Well, she's she's right, because that, that's the fourth answer to what you can do to uh, soothe yourself and not go completely insane, you know, contemplating your own imminent demise is... Uh, losing yourself in something larger than sure. yourself. Sure, of course. Which is probably the best answer. <clears throat> and I think that that, you know, it's, I remember when you reached out about doing this this show, that you wanted to talk about spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I really think that that is the definition of spirit. I think spirituality is such a an odd term. I really think it's such an odd term because it, it conjures up ideas like things that can't be seen, like mysterious you know, mystic, like sort of mumbo jumbo. When in fact, I think that you could break it down and actually, you know, define it as caring about things other than yourself, you know, to get pouring yourself into, I mean, I, I try to leave sort of the, you know, the, the details of the, the sobriety program, you know, out of, you know the the public eye and stuff, but cool. uh, but 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 I will kind of go into it a little bit because in in our literature, you know, we have a distinct book, and and um, in this book it says um, selfishness and self centeredness. This is the root of all of our problems. It also says that alcoholism is uh, a spiritual malady, and that the 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 solution to it is in helping others. And I just put putting that together and I'm just like, okay, so helping others is the cure to the spiritual malady, which is based in selfishness and self-centeredness. So there you have spirituality. To me, I just define it as, you know, giving a fuck about more than just yourself. And that really is kind of, if you think of every spiritual way of life, like every religion, you know, it's the sort of love of thy neighbor. Like, you know, it's it's present in every practical spiritual approach to life. The idea of helping others and, uh, you know, treating others the way you want to be treated yourself and this and that. So, yeah, I think that absolutely that's the, the, the fourth prong of the solution to the human dilemma. Yeah, of the human fork. Yeah, and now, like, if we look at, uh, you know, really, like, sort of esoteric concepts and, and, and this and that, like, you can look at, you know, what the fuck is wrong with the world and this and that. And I remember being on drugs, like, you know, really having the sense that there was, like, a presence of, of like, of God, you know, that, like... And I had this moment, and I was like, oh, why is the world so fucked up? And and that there was like in the silence, like in the silence, I really intuitively felt that that uh, there was such a distinct response that like you know it's not fucked up. It's just it, it just is what it is, and it's sort of you know this is what you've created. You know, like this is it's not you know. So, so you're not reacting to like the objective reality of the way the world is. You're reacting to the reality that you've created around yourself, right? And I think that there's like the collective consciousness, which you know, like creates the, you know, the, the ultimate like re- reality for you know the, the larger picture of things. But, but um, the. And that's all kind of where, like, I'm, I'm sort of veering off, and this is where it's like, okay, this, what's this bullshit? I'm going to turn off the radio. But I think that what we could probably all agree on is that where the problems that we see are really, you know, rampant in the world, everything boils down to, like, essentially greed, you know? And greed is based in the idea of separation, where, like, I I, I want to have more than, than, I, than I need. It's my desire to... 
to have a better situation, you know, to have more, you know, we all individually strive to have more. And then when and you get more, unfortunately, you're, 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 you want more. When you get more, you want more. And the only way to have more is to keep, to, to structure everything so that others have less, you know, and, and, and it's this, uh, you know, like the, the, the ego, the mind, like whatever, like this idea that, that, you know, we are all in, separate from each other and we have separate needs and so we're you know withholding from others so that we can have more ourselves and that is the dynamic that's that's behind every problem in the world you know is is uh you know is is greed and separation and individualism and so now i think this is you know to further define spirituality and I think that that you're not in the in the realm of mumbo jumbo and and bullshit if uh you go so far as to say that um the spiritual ways of life spiritual you know like philosophies are pretty unanimous in the concept that that there's a oneness mm-hmm. in in everything that we are one. I, I like it put a certain way. Um, we are all eyes in the same head. I really like that one. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And now, uh, like uh, with the stuff that, that that I read and that I really really identify with, um, uh, the the and and and, and, and incidentally, people who. I've met who uh, identify as atheists almost universally have been um, the most thoughtful, like, and eh, no, I don't want to say that, but I like, like, uh, I'd, I'd want to kind of like, I think people who, who say that they definitely are atheist, meaning I, I'm sure there is no God, like, to me, have offered some of the most insightful, you know, ideas about God. Like it oh, that's interesting. Well, maybe it's partially because one of the functions of religion. I don't shit on religion. I come from a religious family, and and I, I've seen it work great. You know, really, really well for a lot of people. But to a certain extent, it does allow you, if you want to use it this way, to not examine stuff at all because you can say, the big guy's got it figured out. Right. I just toe the line, and I don't really need to worry about that stuff. Once you confront the real, once you ask the question, because you know, is anybody really an atheist? They say there's no atheist in right. the foxhole. But once you're really living in that zone of seriously, though, this might be it. Then you have to start ask. Then there's a lot more riding on that <coughs> question for you than there is right. for somebody who's like, maybe it's this, maybe it's not. I guess I'll find out when I get to heaven. Sure. You know, and and I, I should say that that I I, tr- I truly respect you being able to to say that I don't shit on religion. I've seen it work. I I know people who I love and respect who are deeply religious, and then there's the you know I think it's it's almost like uh, every country every you know there's there's douchebags in every in every pot. <laughs> in my experience, it's like if you want to. First of all, I think you're pretty dumb if you can't separate, say, the Catholic Church from God and religion. That's sort right. of like willful ignorance. The Catholic Church is a whole different story, right. and, it, and, and it just looks worse and worse as time goes on. But any idiot can see the difference there. The people who – it's just – it's immature. Right. People who are just like, oh, I hope you're happy with your Jesus and your God. Sure. It's like it sounded cool when you are 18. You've got to kind of grow out of that. Right. But um, I, I once spoke to an atheist guy, and, and I agree with you there too, that uh, I, I don't think that – I think to call, yourself, to call yourself atheist is kind of arrogant because it's to assume that you understand or know something that you really is unknowable. Of course. And ungraspable. And, and to that point, I think that to really – uh, definitively say that you know there is a God and, and that you know that is equally arrogant. I think that the human experience is sort of, you know, uh, it, it makes it impossible to be anything except agnostic because oh, our, God, yeah. our finite mind simply cannot understand the infinite. Yeah, well, and, and and it, so, but it is doubly arrogant with religious people. Unfortunately, not only are they, and this mostly goes for religious people of all stripes, not only are you sure there's a God, you also know Exactly which God is the real God, and you just so sure. happen you just so happen to be sure. born in the Bible belt of the country with the right God exactly, and I think that faith the word faith if if it's not how it says in the dictionary, I think it's it's belief in something that cannot be proven right right sure, 
So faith means like, okay, like you're sort of, you can't prove it. And so that kind of means to be faithful is to be agnostic, right? I just believe in something that can't be proven. Yeah. And um, I think that, that to look at where people are able to agree on everything is that the idea is that, that we are all one, you know, sort of the, the first thing that I thought of it as is, uh, you know, that all individually were sort of cells in the ultimate organism of God, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, that that's one thing that one way to look at it. I heard an atheist guy say, and this is actually defines what, what I view everything as he said oh no i don't like i'm i'm atheist i don't believe in god i just believe that the universe is uh or sorry he said i don't believe in god i just believe that all of creation is an exercise in the universe experiencing itself <laughs> i get that i love that i went through a period of time where i thought i was really clever because i came up with this idea which i think somebody else thought of nine thousand years ago which is that the big bang was just god was kind of like i don't know either got bored or or uh it just had to happen this way because so it was written so it shall be done that god just sort of exploded god's self sure and that the entire world is just God, and sure. we're we're all just a little. We're like a you put there's like a huge <clears throat> cauldron of 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 people soup, and you put a little teaspoon in there, and you pull it out, and that teaspoon gets to walk around and think it's it's sure. it's the whole it's That's the main exactly attraction it. for eighty years, and then you die and you just get thrown back in the soup, sure. and the I next time it. and the next time you come out, you're not going to be you again because that would be as ridiculous as thinking you could get the exact same spoonful of soup twice. Yeah. I but, mean, I think that that is. It, like I love the way you put it, you know. There's the the lava lamp, you know. Like the, yeah. each glob and becomes separate, thinks it's separate. Like the drops in the ocean, you know. Like with the with the rain, like however you want. Yeah, that's it. All but that all assumes if 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 what I said is true, as insane as that might sound, it it, it definitely assumes that there's a transcendent reality. You know that there is sure. life after life because that that that, that whole thing sure. doesn't make sense if we are just some huge fucking accident. Sure. I think uh, I came up with one on my own that uh, yeah, drugs know, are fun, man. <laughs> that uh, where it was like, okay, so we have this idea that that the brain is a like uh, a transmitter of consciousness. That somehow, like the signal of thought, the signal of consciousness is is generated. That it begins in the brain, you know, where one night. You know, and I was in I was in my my halfway house in early recovery, and I was like, the brain, it's not the the generator of the consciousness, it's the receiver. That's what it is. So it's like, so it's like, uh, you know, the signal, the, the the brain's picking up the signal, which is like the spirit, and so if 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 you kill yourself, you know, like you're not you're not destroying the signal it would be like to kill yourself would be like to take a radio and smash it with a hammer that's exactly right you've killed the radio yeah yeah, yeah. the, ra- the killed... radio station is still raining right it's it's the, the it, signal's yeah. still out there and right. so the body the body is is this uh it's the body's this is you know sort of temporary like you know uh what conductor or whatever what's the word i'm looking for like uh this vessel that's that's just like that's it's temporary and and it's not what we are you know and i think there's another concept that the you know all of these various philosophies um and groups w- would agree on is that that you know in a spiritual sense i guess that's why they call it spiritual cuz we're not the body you know yeah. we're, we're not we're not the body we're not uh, a human being having a spiritual experience we're a spiritual being having a human experience i think that's right and that's why i i kind of disagree with you about uh the whole like spirituality is helping other people because i i, I think there is a very selfish way to be very spiritual <clears throat> i kind of okay. come to the conclusion cuz i i'm not I, I never agree with that. i was never nearly as as fucked up as you but i used to drink way more than I wanted to. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Okay. And and I still occasionally like have the, the third scotch and I wake up in the morning I'm like, why the fuck did I do that? It's under control, but it's not ideal. You know? Sure. And what I find is when I, I more and more have these long extended sober jags and when I do, like after a month is when you start getting, I'm sure there's levels, then there's years, then there's 10 years is when you start getting real sober. And I guess the closest thing I can compare it to that everybody will know what I'm talking about is kind of a flow state where you're like, 
if you're a, I am a creative person, I write music and stuff like that. <laughs> this shit just it's coming at <clears throat> you're, you're getting the transmission clean. You know, you've cleaned the window or whatever, and you're in touch with that spiritual center of yourself. And we're always our best selves when we're really plugged into sure. our the spirit that's inside of us. Sure, and and I, and I think you, you made a fantastic point there, and I'm glad that you that you said that that you don't agree because I'm just glad I made a point. Clearly, we, you know, like sober people, like whatever, like anybody who's who's you know going with my definition of spirituality is helping others and caring about others. Of course they're doing that selfishly. You know, it's like I selfishly help other people so that I can be, you know, healthier and, and you know, reap the benefit myself. So Yeah, it makes I, you feel good to help other people. So yeah, I think yeah. I would put, put it another way. Like, that, you know, rather than define spirituality as being, uh, you know, as helping others, maybe spirituality is um, – you know, identifying, recognizing, considering, like, the the oneness of, of everything, you know? So it's like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm part of something that's that's equally important as me. And so selfishly, I want to, you know, view... Because it's really hard. Like, like for, I mean, whatever. It's, it's, it's hard to be a dick, to stay angry, to, you know, if you, if you really subscribe to the belief that we are all... Equally one. I love your your you know uh, ladle in the soup bowl, you know like however you want to. Yeah, if you keep if you keep yourself tethered to that knowledge, and we all get you know caught up, you get tired. I got a one month old baby. I'm a complete walking piece of shit today. I have no idea what I'm doing. But when I get out of the weeds and I remember, okay, what am I actually doing here in the largest sense? If you just always go, what are my core principles? Right, I'm tied to something larger than myself. Sure. It's not all about me. It's hard to go full dick and stay there. Right. And I think, okay, now, now the, the, this uh, book I was talking about, Conversations with God, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and the way that, that, that it describes it, and and I like how you put it. You said God got bored and exploded himself into you know a, a bunch of different pieces. Yeah, you know, into the, the universe, right? Right. That's uh, the way that it's the, the the God. You know, as God without this individuation, which would be the explosion. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, God. Is, you know, is is uh. It's described as the realm of the absolute, where when you are when you're pure love, when you're just God in one clump, one you know sort of ladle, then there's 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 nothing uh, there's nothing that you are not. You know, the God hasn't God can't have experience because God is the realm of the absolute, where there's nothing to compare it to. You know, sort of like there's without without hot. There can be no cold without hot. You know, yeah, yeah, there can yeah, be yeah. no tall without short. There, Fish there, can't there, know it's in water unless it makes it to the surface. Exactly. So, so it's it's about um, there's the realm of the absolute, and that is like the like you said, God got bored. You know, like you know, with it's without experience, and so in order for God to have experience in order for the universe to experience itself, then it needs to explode into separate pieces so that these people can have an experience relative to each other. And so that's the, the realm that we're in mm-hmm. is, is described as the the realm of the relative. So that like I can, relative to you, I can have an experience because you are that which I'm not. Right. And so there's like in a, the illusion of separation, which which I think all spiritual philosophies agree upon is that it's an illusion of separation yeah. that we're actually all one and the same. We're all one, mm-hmm. but for the purpose of having experience, we've been separated and you know, we're all eyes in the same head, but we don't know that, you know, like part of, part of, of, uh, of, of incarnation as a human, you know, part of coming into the, to this body as a spirit is the agreement that you're going to forget that, what what you really are, right? You know, and, and, and so presumably, and presumably, one day you'll die, and you'll your eyes will snap back open, and oh, you'll be like, dude. "Oh God, how did I forget?" It's almost like this is all the dream, and that's the reality. 100%. And then you go, right. oh, "Oh, how did I fucking i I promised myself this time I would remember, right?" And uh-huh. yeah, but no, it's not that I would promise myself this time I'd remember. It, it's more that like, oh, that's right, I agreed that I would forget. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. I agreed right. that I would forget, and oh, everything's okay, and and then uh, there's this and. I wonder if on the Ellis show we were talking. I was talking 
talking about the life review because that shit just messes me up. Where like the the concept of when you die that uh, oh yeah the, yeah, the, yeah your life it flashes yeah and the, you ex- like oh my god it's fucking it's fucking heavy. But, but that uh, stuff gets tough because you know we've talked to people uh, uh, some guy who's like a prosecutor or investigator or something. And he talked about murderers and he's like yeah some of them you know wrong people wrong time fell in with the wrong crowd. He's like some of them are just born fucking evil and you start getting into the whole question of to what extent are we even responsible for our own actions if you're born bad or if you get right. so fucking like ag- agree sure. agree i don't care if child I- molester is always the one who got molested when he was a child right exactly and it doesn't matter if you were molested or not you, it's still really bad if you <coughs> molest people and we got to send you all to jail but i think objectively we can also kind of agree it's it's somehow worse if you had some say in the matter than if right. you had some compulsion that was inside of you from 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 jump street so it does get weird and that- and, and i think that the, the the important part of that is that the purpose of the life review is not to to there's no. It's not about justice. It's just about understanding, you know. And so you finally see it from right. everybody else's eyes. It's not about like uh, paying for for anything that you've done wrong. It's just more about understanding what was, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah. understanding it from the perspective of the whole organism, which. Unfortunately, we kind of need to wrap this up. That's but fine. I, I think this is kind of a neat place to do it because I least... think it's great. We started out like. Uh, we started out with like this, you know, the 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 fame explosion, and we ended up with the God explosion. Right, and I right. Think that was that was a little bit the goal. And I think this is a nice place to to be. I think first, it's really hard to find um, like a, a spiritual, uh, you know, like a, a safe space that you can live in spiritually. Like I think it's almost like you shed your skin. You find something that works for you mentally and emotionally, sure. and spiritually, and then ten years later, you might wake up and find out that that shit that worked for you didn't, and you got to build it all over again. Sure, it's always a moving target. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's, always, it's always a moving target, and I think that like that, um, it, the the greed being the the fucking one thing you can boil it down to every problem, no matter what it is, it all boils down to fucking greed, selfishness, self centeredness, greed, and and that's where you have all your you know every problem stems from that. So to not be greedy would be the solution. So like, you know, like, and, and like hatred, racism, like stuff like that, like being a dick to other people. Like as, as soon as you, if you can look into somebody's eyes and, and think, okay, like it seems like they're separate, but we're really one the same, you know, like then there's, then, you know, your entitlement, your feelings of superiority, like your, your, you know, hatred, your, like, it's really impossible to hold this core belief that we are all inherently equal yeah. and, and valuable and, and that we are all the same. You can't hold, you can't have that belief and, shit on people and it's 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 trite but um kids know that i have a little kid kids just take people at face value like oh it doesn't matter what they look like or you know have impediments or whatever it's just like okay cool you like dinosaurs too let's get down and it's a shame that somewhere along the way we lose that hopefully in the end we get it back if you can ever like the best day that you can have is to go out of your way to really respect people as you know as equal and, and and you know like to, to love people. That's what it is. Yeah. You know? You're a good dude. I think you've always been a good dude. I'm really like, I, again, I don't know you well enough, I feel like, to say this, but I'm like really happy for you. Well, I appreciate it, man. And likewise. And I, I think that, that it's, we're about at that point you can stop saying I, I don't really know you. <laughs> okay. And, uh, and, and I, I, I deeply respect you. <laughs> Thank I you. I appreciate you. And, and you're someone I looked, uh, someone who in my, like I really struggled and, and worked and cared about sort of, you know, becoming uh, a guy who can have a healthy relationship and you're somebody who who I discussed that openly with the monogamy thing yeah I wanted to get into that maybe some other time sure and um, I, I just really I, res- I respect what you've had to say about it and and uh, I just think especially you and Jason compliment each other so beautifully and I just think that, that you're a guy I like a lot and thank you thank you buddy you're at Steve-O and it's Steve-O.com for videos tour dates and more yeah